This is Unfiltered, episode 45, for April 3rd, 2013. The state attorney general in Arkansas is now investigating the break of an ExxonMobil pipeline that sent thousands of gallons of crude oil flowing down the street into a residential neighborhood over Easter weekend. The leak is bringing a lot of attention to our national network of pipelines and reigniting debate over another notable pipeline project. Our report tonight from our chief environmental affairs correspondent, Ann Thompson. From the air, it looks like a dark stain on this neighborhood, 20 miles north of Little Rock. The smell is unbelievable. I mean, look, incredible, and that is oil. On this week's episode of Unfiltered, on Friday, 22 homes were evacuated in the state of Arkansas after a portion of an oil pipeline burst, leaving tar sand oil oozing all over the streets. This comes at the critical time for the decision around the proposed Keystone XL pipeline. Then, it was once steaming ahead by capitalizing on shocking tragedies, but now, the gun debate has faltered in America. We'll dig into the state of gun control. Plus, a look at the Great British Class Calculator, pop bar crackdowns, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Unfiltered, episode 45 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Or or every other day yeah. is always the excellent. <laughs> Seems like I just saw you. I, you know what? I swear I, I, I just saw you. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I gotta say, driving a car with uh, Tiptronic transmission is pretty fun. What is about Tiptronic? I don't know. What's this? It's like an automatic manual, manual automatic. Oh, oh where you can, that's right. That's what the yeah, Volkswagen can, calls it, where you shift yeah, on you the steering wheel. Yeah, you can shift, well, yeah. steering wheel all on the right. stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason why I have, and before you people yell at me and say, why why don't you just have a stick? Well, my wife doesn't know how to drive a stick and she refuses to learn. Well, so, and you drive a lot. In Washington, traffic is a bear, too. No, so automatic's nice for that, too. No, but when you're when you're busted in the manual mode and I'm just like coming up hills and yeah, stuff, it, yeah. it's so much fun. Were you listening to our intro music doing that? That'd be good. <laughs> That's good driving up the hill <laughs> music, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. love it. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, so here we are again after just uh, having a show on Monday. Now this is going to come out on the following week, so we're pre-taping because you're going to be out of town. That's right. I'm uh, now last week or last Monday, yeah. whatever. We'll be you're last listening. week by the time they hear it. So last week, turn back the clock. I teased you guys. I teased you improperly. I told you I would tell you what's going on with me, and in a nutshell, I'm uh, broadcasting and participating in a pinball tournament in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh? That's not Seattle. No, it's not. So I'm doing some traveling, oh. and, and that's why we're doing this ahead of time. That's why we're doing two shows in one week. That's why. But you know what? The great thing about the news is it never stops. It sure doesn't. We've got some big stories. Oh, uh, you know, great. Every now and then, Chase, we get uh, we get some criticisms here on the show. I know we do. And, uh, well, guess what, Chase? I have an unfiltered news alert. That's right. We're going we're gonna to start with something outside <laughs> the United States. Wait, 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 wait. The Unfilter Show now has a, a, uh, an a new, news alert bumper. 
Right? Well, I'm going to say I might have gotten that from Megan Kelly, but <clears throat> I'm not allowed to say that. Well, she, she she let you. She's the one that sent it to me, Chase. Oh, wow. Megan Kelly. Well, Megan, yeah, she's you got in America's, Megan. She's in America's newsroom. And, and, and I have uh, yeah. Aaron. So. Why don't we start? Uh, so this is really interesting. This is one of these things, Chase, that if I had a clip about grinding my gears, I'd play it. Because I tell you what, man, this grinds my gears. But that, that's your thing. So that's my thing now. Uh, but... Yeah, I I have I have grown up. Maybe I might even have some sort of mental thing where I just I've never really fit into categories and classes: Republican, Democrat, uh, middle class, poor, stupid, smart. I mean, I just never really felt like any of that stuff has ever been appropriate because to me, people are shades oh shades of gray, like fifty shades, fifty shades of gray. Anyways. But uh, apparently I'm just wrong. What it really is is there's actually seven classes, seven social seven. classes. Oh, yes. okay. Yes. I didn't get this memo. This is according to the BBC, so let's go ahead and we'll play this. Well, then they all know everything. Well, Britain has always been famous for its class system, usually defined as upper, middle, and working class. But now new research suggests that people could actually be divided into seven different classes. The survey is based on more than 160,000 interviews. It includes questions about house value, about cultural activities and what jobs people's friends do. Well, Nick Hyam details what has been revealed. I look down on him because I am upper class. I look up to him because he is upper class. But I look down on him because he is lower class. I am middle class. I know my place. How, I mean, how creepy is this to this begin with? This is very odd. It's like, it's indirect, it's indirect suggestion, I feel like. But anyways, but so they're playing the, this old this clip. this could be Britain, though. This is, you know, they do their thing. Right, because we don't have this class We don't here. have this no, here. No, 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 we're all the same here. Right. No, yeah, no. We're all equal. Right. Because everybody gets a fair shot. Right. Once there were just three social classes... And we all knew our place. <laughs> now, it's more know complicated. Your class used to be defined by how much you earned and what job you did. But this new research defines class not just in terms of money, but in terms of your social and cultural capital as well. Okay, so social and cultural capital. I want to come back to that. Just pin that. Well... In the survey, people were asked how many friends they had and what sort of people those friends were. Were they chief executives or cleaners, teachers or postal workers? That was to assess their social capital. You know, I never really think about how uh, natural it is when you meet somebody or or when somebody... Actually, I don't do this very often because I just don't give a crap. But when people meet me, one of the, a lot of the first questions they ask is, so what do you do for a living? You get people ever ask you that? So like, oh, shake sure. Your hand. So sure. what do you do for a living, Chase? And what are they doing in that instance? They're what, sizing you up. But they don't even probably even realize it. They are in immediately, though, at a subconscious level, putting you in a box. Yeah, they're putting me in a <clears throat> class, if you will. Do you, have you ever felt uncomfortable saying, oh, I'm an internet broadcaster? Uh, it never comes to mind first because it's not my primary function. That's why. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I've, I've, felt, I've felt a little weird, and I've, I've, I'll go with IT contractor if I feel like it's somebody who just is like... Like if I just like sometimes I'll just have this flash of like oh they're gonna look down on this. I don't think they would. I, I don't think so either. But it is it's just something that happens just so innately that I've never really processed it until I was listening to this clip yeah. and I thought yeah we really do size people up just by asking them that question. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a professional baseball player. Right. Or oh. if, or if you said ask me, Chris. So what do you do for a living, Chase? Uh, I'm a professional pinball player. Ooh, really? Jeez, does that mean he makes any money at all? He's probably either <laughs> making a ton of money or no money. Or, or the the or the other thing is, you know, That's like like uh, like say your daughter grows up and uh, she's going out with a musician. Right. Or, What's the first thing that comes to your head? Or, like, oh, he's not really talented. Or what if you asked me what I did for a living and I said I'm a house cleaner? 
I'd be like, oh. Yeah, right? I mean, you would immediately assume some things probably about my social status, maybe even go as far as like the type of car I could probably or like Or education drive. level. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so I just, it's interesting. So anyways, let's yeah. continue on. As for cultural capital, people were asked if they used social media like Facebook, if they went to the gym or played sport, and what kind of music they like listening to. Or perhaps they're the kind of people, wealthy, well-connected, who spend their leisure time eating out in places like this or going to museums and the theatre. People themselves don't think straightforwardly these days in terms of middle and working class. Um, they're looking, I think, for different kinds of labels, different kinds of understandings. And so it will be very interesting to see how these sorts of results play with people themselves and whether they think that they can um, feel more affiliation to these, this, this new way of thinking about class rather than the old way. See if you're happy with these boxes. The new study has identified seven classes. At the top, there's a small, very wealthy elite. At the other extreme, there's a larger group, dubbed the precariat, with very little money or social life or cultural life. The precariat. So these are not the poor. They're the precariat. They're one step above poor, but one step below low-end middle class. Uh, I think it's a great name. It's very fancy. It's, it's a great, nice way to call people that are too poor and too suppressed to get one notch higher. It's, it sounds more insulting than poor. Oh. You're precarious. In the middle, the old-fashioned working class has shrunk. They're mostly found in the old industrial areas of Britain. Then there's a new class, emergent service workers. Vicky's one. <laughs> emergent service worker. And now picture a semi-attractive blonde girl sitting on a park bench having an interview. I think that's what this one was. She's a newly qualified solicitor with student loans to pay off. Slave People labor. like her. I mean, that's what the student loan is becoming, is right, becoming yeah. this leash. It uh, is. have little money, but lots of friends, a busy social life, and the highest cultural capital of any class. I've got quite a wide range of friends, so there's a lot to get around. Um, I like, I'm very into music, my boyfriend and I, so we go to gigs if we can. You can work out your own social class using a test on the BBC website. Do you know teachers? Oh, yes, hundreds. Yeah. Uh, do you know any lorry drivers? Socially? No. Do you listen to classical music? No. I so he's asking them some questions from the test here. Do you do any arts and crafts? Yeah. Do you use Facebook or Twitter? No. Do you socialise at home? You invite people around? Yes. Yeah. Do you go to museums and galleries? Yes, we're on our way now. Do you do gangbangs? You belong <laughs> to a class, a newly defined class, called Emergent Service Worker. Do you know what Bitcoin is? You belong to a class which is described as the established middle class. That oh, may not be. Okay. <laughs> is that a good thing or bad <laughs> The Emergent Service Class, too, which is So, what Chris, did you name. take this test? I did, yeah. Do you want to take it? You know, it asks some personal questions. So you could either take it yourself, but it asks things like, how much do you make? What's your savings? Go ahead. Uh, ask, I was ask. I was thinking I would do, like, just like a generic... Ask. No, I, I, I've... I've uh, I've talked about myself uh, many times. Well, oh, you, I've you, taken it. I've taken it. I just, how long is this a survey? I don't really want to say what it said I was because it's kind of embarrassing. What? Are you precariat? No, it said I'm an elite, but I don't know where it got that. You're elite? That's what, I couldn't have been for money, you though. Mean, you mean L-E-E? No, T. so it looks like some of the questions it says is, what is your annual household income? Uh, so uh, You, you know, put a million. Well, no, but I would put... <laughs> well, see, the problem is, is this is in the Queen's funny money. It's not in USD or Bitcoin, so I have no idea what some of these prices are. So they say, you know, under 10 funny money. Well, whatever that means. You mean pounds? No. I mean... 10 funny money. Right. You're looking at the pound mark, right? Uh, no, I think that's uh, no, I think that's just a just a funny money symbol there. <laughs> it's pounds, Chris. <laughs> I just love it when I. I, just, I know it's I funny it. money. It's funny. <laughs> Actually, just looking for an excuse to talk about Bitcoin. 
That's all. All right. Well, so you don't want to take the survey? That's fine. No, no. I said I'd take the survey. Well, take it then. Let's see what you Oh, you want me to do it now? I do. Yeah. Put it up on your screen. Let's take it. I'm curious. You don't have to give. They don't have to be necessarily about you because it does get kind of specific. All right. Fine. Well, all right. So I'm doing this live. All right. So it's asking me to tell us about me. So I'm going to click on that. All right. So. What is my annual household income after taxes? That's right. uh, for me, my spouse, or significant other. So now, it's your combined household now, income. Now, I don't know what... Uh, it's, it's funny money. It's funny money. Right. So uh, I know there's an exchange rate. Just go for like, uh, you know, go for like a good... Because you got I'm dual gonna, income. I'm going go go, to go 50 to 100K. Okay, okay. Sure. Do I own or rent? I own. And uh, value of all the property owned. Now, does this include Bitcoin holdings? Because those are off the grid. No, no. I think this just is uh, for the property. This is oh, value oh, of the property. I was at the savings question. No, see. All right. So I'm going to. All right. So 125 to 250. Okay. Sure, sure. And do I have any savings? Yes. Sure. Uh, uh, yes. Funny money savings. Funny money so savings. Just go for something. I think I have between 50 and 100 in savings. Okay. There, there oh, look. It's, uh, it popped up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it fills out different areas as you go there. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go on to next. Okay. Which of these do you know socially? Okay. Okay. What do you know, Chase? I know secretaries. Yeah. Oh, you do? Uh-oh. Okay. That's going to hurch you. Nope. No, it won't. Uh-huh. Oh, I know see. teachers. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, oh, man. You were getting screwed. I know electrician. Oh, man. These are all these are all slaves. But hold on. I'm not done yet. All right. Okay. I know office managers. Oh, I, yeah. uh, I I do know a chief executive uh, in my okay. company. There you go. There you go. Software designers. I work with sure. them all the time. Sure, sure. Um, I, a lorry driver. That's a truck driver. I do know a truck driver. Um, I know an accountant. Chase, you grew up on a dairy farm. I know. <laughs> you should check farm worker. But don't I don't. Know? I don't know them anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Social? No, okay. socially. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, I grew up <laughs> yeah. cultural. Which of these activities do I do I partake in? I don't know, Chase. You tell me. Do I go to stately homes? <laughs> Would this qualify as a stately home? I don't think so, Chase. All right. I do listen to jazz. I listen to rock. I go to gigs. I play video games. I watch sports. I go to the theater. Uh, I, before you hit your results, I'll do the spin. All right. Uh, use Facebook. Yeah. I socialize at home. Yeah. Uh, I do arts and crafts. Yeah, I Don't shows count. I do listen to hip hop or rap sometimes. Uh-oh. All it's right. Gonna, that's going to make you a little slavey. Okay, right. you ready? Ready. Let's do it. All right. Let's see what you got there, Chase. I'm established middle class. Okay. All right. That's that's not bad. See, I think because uh, you answered a little more people in the service industry, I think that was what brought you down a little bit. You were getting drugged down by your peers. So I'm a sta- uh, So I. So that's I'm not bad. What's I didn't even. That? I didn't even make it into one of their new categories. I'm no. just middle class. I th- actually thought you know the social networking would put you over too. <sighs> that's too bad. Sorry about that. Chase. But lo- but look at the elite. See, like here, look if we compare me to elite. Yeah. Uh, it's just more money. That's all it is. Yeah. Well. Hmm. That's that's because I don't think I answered more money when I did it. Yeah. Look at it. Look at the pounds mark. It goes up higher. Well, we'll have a link to in the show notes if you guys want to take the test yourself. Uh, go over to the BBC site. Give them some data. They'd like your metrics, so go give. It I'm to also them. an I, I am also an arsonist. I, it also <laughs> says that as well. I don't know why. <laughs> well, so yeah, it's called the Great. I love the name of this. The Great British Class Calculator. Yes. It's up on the BBC News website. Yes. So you can go check that out. All right, Mr. Chase. Well, uh, before we move on, I just want to take a pause right here and remind folks that Unfilter is sponsored by you guys. We do a crowdfunded solution you for the Unfilter Show. scared me there show. for a minute there. Why? I thought you were going to say, it's sponsored by Exxon <laughs> and Monsanto. Monsanto brings you Unfilter. <laughs> 
No, th- we've decided that's exactly you know the that's reason why reason we can't why we do can't. it. I mean, it's just yeah. it would be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, so the way we do this is we're trying to reach 133 supporters right now. As of today, we have 61. We got we picked up one supporter. Dreams Void in the chat room threw in today. Wow, that's awesome. So we got we got we have 61. Not bad now. for a short week. Not bad. I was hoping maybe if some people would uh, toss in you know and help because it has kind of slowed down since we did the sale. And I can't keep doing the sale because when we do the sale, it, we're, we're not making the same amount. You're of You're not going to make to 133. Right. You're, right. And, you need 166. You know, I really do need to make money for this show because I don't schedule myself for client work this day, so that way I can produce the show and then we can do the show. That's and right. on top of that, I could also work on new shows, like a Bitcoin show during this day. So I, there is an opportunity cost and a direct cost to me personally. So we really would like to get this show to $133. So if you've enjoyed the Unfiltered program and like what we're about and want to help invest in handcrafted media that's designed specifically for you and only answers to you, go over to our show notes. You'll find links in there where you can donate to the show on a monthly basis. And once we get 133 of you, we will essentially have financed one day of production of the Unfiltered Show. And we have a Bitcoin link over there. If you want to toss us a Bitcoin, that's one way to invest in the show, and that'll sign you up for a year. When you hit that Bitcoin button, you can just enter a custom amount. Or you can send us lots of Bitcoins. That would be fine, too. We really wouldn't mind because it's going at $125. Actually, $128 right now. Man, that's crazy. That is really crazy. That is crazy. It was up to $145 this morning, but then they got denied. You should have went, sell, sell, sell. (laughs) I would have. I would have. But uh, there was a little bit of a DDoS What's your limit? I mean, how long are you going to hold? Well, I'm not really in the currency to make money off the currency. I actually think people... Well, I already have used it. Oh. I mean, I actually think it's a legitimate currency to buy buy and pay for things with. And, like, uh, think about it this way. Like, if we got a few Bitcoins into the show and I tossed you a Bitcoin, like, say, like, when we first did it, like, three or four weeks ago, if people had started donating Bitcoins, and, you know, you'd be sitting on that. And, you know, that's a nice little way for, like, us to people to send us something that just keeps continuing building that's out true. value. Now, a lot of people think it's in a bubble. So, a lot of people think it's about to pop. Oh, like the housing market. And the bond market. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. It yeah. could also be that there is just a demand for a worldwide digital currency. That, uh, I think there is. You never know. Yeah. You never know, Chase. But uh, one thing we do know is that Wolf's here, and he's going to bring us up to date on this oil spill. Did you hear about this that happened over Easter? Yeah. yeah. Tragic. Yeah. This is really nasty stuff. Terrible. So, uh, why don't we uh, step into the situation room, and then Wolf will bring us up to date, okay? Wolf. <laughs> cleanup operation now underway after a ruptured pipeline spilled thousands of barrels of Canadian crude oil into an Arkansas suburb this weekend. There are more than 160,000 miles of pipelines crisscrossing the United States carrying oil, gasoline, other hazardous liquids. Another 2 million miles of pipelines carrying natural gas. Lisa Sylvester is coming into the Situation Room. She's been looking at this. This is a new thing he does. So they've they've sort of fancied up the Situation Room a little bit, but also like CNN has... I, 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 I mean, Fox has it has it too, but CNN's green screen technique, Chase, is so off the scale good now, you don't even know when they're in a physical set or a green screen set, and they're doing like green screen desks and everything. Wow, really? Totally going off the hooks. These guys are just literally sitting in green rooms in some of these cases. So now they've got it where people can walk around in them, and so this gal is now, she walks up to Wolf. Now, part of, I think, Wolf's set is physical. 
the, the desk part. But I think everything behind him is all green screen. So this is something they started doing is as Wolf is doing his intro, they have the person walk up to the beat and they set the papers down and they start talking <laughs> to Wolf. This story for us uh, and what is going on? Well, Wolf, I can tell you that until this pipeline ruptured, many of the folks who lived there said they did not even know there was an oil pipeline near their neighborhood. What? This is something that I think is really interesting is uh, this thing's been there for, uh, I've heard different numbers, 40 seems to be the common number. Uh, 40 years and, you know, people moved in, people moved out. They didn't even know this thing was there until all of a sudden there's oil literally running down the street like water running down in a flood. Uh, And uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting is you've got oil on the streets and who would you suspect is running the scene there? You probably think maybe like the EPA or something. Oh, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Listen to this clip, and then I'm going to I'm going to elaborate a little bit. Okay. Crude oil spewed out of the ExxonMobil pipeline, coiling its way through a suburban neighborhood in Mayflower, Arkansas. Some of it ending up at a nearby creek. But work crews were able to stop the oil from reaching Lake Conway, a popular fishing spot. But even after an around-the-clock cleanup effort, a thick tar remained on residential streets. Twenty-two homes were evacuated. When I got here, you could have canoed down the street. Uh, there was so much oil running down through there. It was a mess. Uh, and even after they had evidently shut it off somewhere on upstream, if you will, uh, there was still a lot of oil flowing down the street. Now this is uh, we'll get more into this in a minute, but this isn't your average oil either. This is crude no. oil. This stuff is thick and tarry. Yeah. It's really not gnarly. Yep. The Environmental Protection Agency has categorized this breach as a major spill. The Pegasus pipeline can carry more than 90,000 barrels of heavy crude oil per day from Illinois to Texas. Exxon did not put a hard estimate on the number of barrels of oil that spilled, except to say it was a few thousand. The cause of the pipeline rupture is still under investigation. We are working as rapidly as possible to get this cleaned up and to get people's lives back to normal. We will allow people in when the state agrees that it is safe and appropriate for people to come back and occupy their homes again. So we have uh, a couple of links in the show notes folks can check out of, uh, uh, like, a, I got one in here uh, uh, that has, uh, essentially, this guy just took a handy cam or whatever, a, a quick cam, and, you know, just drove down his road showing the oil, and it's just some crazy visuals here. So this was on Friday that this actually happened, but, you know, this is over the Easter weekend, so this is, uh, when you're listening to this, this was a little while ago, 22 homes were evacuated in this community, which is really, really something. Now, estimates are all over the board from 6,000, 10,000 and upward of how much oil has actually been lost. Uh, it's hard to quite, it's hard to kind of say because Exxon shut off the valve at one point, but then the rest of the system still had enough oil that it had to drain out for a while. And wow. I, I guess there are counters at the valve or something stupid yeah. like that. Uh, so 22 people moved out. Now, uh, Exxon has put them up in hotels and is boarding their pets. But, you know, the C- CBC is pointing out the most important thing. Chase, this is bad PR. Canadian crude is still causing major headaches in a small Arkansas city. More than one million liters of Alberta oil have spewed from a ruptured American pipeline since Friday. This spill comes at a pivotal moment for a proposed Canadian pipeline, and some are using this incident as fuel for stopping Keystone XL. Lindsay Duncombe is in Washington with the details. Now, remember Keystone XL Pipeline? We've talked about that, right? That's right. right. That's the one that goes from the Canadian border down to the Gulf. And so, uh, oh, oh, I pulled a chase. Uh, I teased. So the, the people that the press are interviewing is not an, a government representative. It's the Exxon uh, co-chair of operations. All right, so he should come out. She. she should come out right away and say, hey, you know, my, our bat, you know, she needs to be very proactive, right? Here's what's crazy, man, is... These people cannot return to their homes until she clears it. 
No. I thought it was the government. No, no, no. No. She clears it, and then once she clears it, the government will clear it. So Exxon is, is literally from the ground up, and maybe you could make an argument because they should be paying for this, which they are. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh-huh. <clears throat> maybe they should be running it. Maybe maybe that is appropriate. But I just found it pretty interesting uh, that they've they've instituted a no-fly zone around the spill. So a no-fly zone? Yeah, yeah. Uh, un- until further notice. And so there's no press helicopters that are getting, like, uh, accurate uh, pictures. And uh, f- through some of these clips, I don't know if any of them made into this episode, um, the press, the, Exxon has people there telling the press where they can go and can't go. That's I don't like that at all. Isn't that weird? That's uh, that's really shady. But the CBC, they're concerned about the Keystone Pipeline. Well, of course they are. Lindsay. Peter, environmentalists see this spill as a warning to the White House. Approve the Keystone XL Pipeline, and there could be more spills just like it. If you're trying to pitch pipelines as safe, this isn't the kind of public relations you want. Images of Alberta oil oozing through American suburbs. Thousands of barrels have spilled since Friday. Exxon isn't saying exactly how many. We could see oil running down the road like a river. Yeah, it really did look like kind of yeah. like, a, like a like a black lava because it's so slow and uh, and yucky. And the reason why it's so slow and yucky is because it's a it's a certain corrosive type of uh, oil. Um, in fact, this is one of the reasons why people are concerned about it going through pipelines because it's corrosive in its very nature. Uh, this clip explains a little bit of that. Then there's one yet one other dimension too, which is that this pipeline was carrying oil from that area, and there are some people who argue that that very low quality oil with a lot of sulfur and other contaminants in it can um, create more corrosion problems in a pipeline than a conventional barrel of oil might. So this is that same oil that would go in the Keystone XL, and perhaps it's it's more of a leak. Either the same or very similar. It's from that same area. It's it's a type of oil, they called it Wabasca Heavy, and it's from the Athabasca area, which is where the oil sands are, named after the Athabasca River up up in Alberta. This is uh, so. This is interesting. A little more on the Exxon running the show. Uh, the tightly controlled by Exxon Mobil, even responsible down to the very level of the parking lot, determining who's allowed to park in the parking lot nearby and who is not, requiring people to show security IDs and information when they approach the premises. Isn't that something? We have links to that in the show notes. This uh, this seems <clears throat> so shady to me. And so this guy says, you know, it's this more corrosive stuff. Now, here's what's kind of funny is because it's is because it's this uh, tar sand crude oil. Uh, this was already in the chat room. Um, the uh, the uh, the government classifies it. Actually, the IRS, I believe, even classifies it as uh, something a little different. So Exxon uh, is able to use a lo- a loophole where they don't pay into the funds. That the public that so there's a fund that's set up for these kind of environmental spills for oil, right? And um, every barrel of oil, there's a few cents that come off the top that go into this fund, okay? Mm-hmm. okay. And every oil company in the United States doing business here pays a little bit of money off every barrel. It's like it might, it's like eight cents or eight dollars. I can't remember, but it's, okay. it's something. It's right. not a lot, but it's something. Yeah. So it's not eight dollars. Now, if it's crude oil from tar sands, that's not technically considered oil yet, and so they don't have to pay that fine. So the oh, money being used God. to clean up the tar sand spills isn't being is being paid for out of this fund that they're not contributing to. Now Exxon has come out and said, "Hey, we intend to actually own up on our own good intentions, and we'll just pay for this." 
Um, and they're now they're trying to revise estimates and say it's anywhere between thirty five and five thousand barrels that were spilled. And we're gonna we're gonna you know do whatever it takes and you know we'll get all this cleaned up. That's now they're coming out and saying that, but they technically actually don't have to pay for it uh, by the law. Well, if they if they didn't, then they would kiss any opportunity of the XL pipeline happening so cnm so they're trying to be proactive so cnm you know tackles that topic how could this impact the keystone pipeline there are 160,000 miles of pipeline crisscrossing the united states the arkansas oil spill comes as president obama is weighing whether to approve a new keystone xl pipeline 1700 miles of pipeline carrying 700,000 barrels of crude a day stretching through the country's heartland the keystone pipeline carries a dense canadian tar sands oil Critics say this lower quality oil can corrode over time. Keystone XL is a dirty and dangerous pipeline. It's literally going to cut our country in half, carrying a very dangerous fuel, and it will cause runaway climate change. Keystone's proponents, however, say it would lessen U.S. dependence on oil from the Middle East. I have not been able to see if so. Maybe if somebody else out there has seen this, but RT makes the claim, and I don't know where they get this information, mm-hmm. that the majority of oil that will be sold using that pipeline will actually be shipped overseas, and we don't. It won't be used in the United States domestically. How do they know that? I don't know. I don't know. But if that's true, that's kind of disappointing. It sounds a little propagandish to me. I think so, too. And they argue transporting oil by pipeline is far safer than by road or rail. But, again, environmentalists very much opposed to Keystone. It's a fierce debate. We'll see what the president of the United States, he will make this decision uh, fairly soon. Thanks very much. Let's, let, let's look at this logically for a minute. Okay. Let's take let's take environmental feeling, and uh, you know we want to save the planet out of it for a minute, out of the discussion All right. for a minute. You know what? You know I'll just take that right out of my heart. All right, throw it away. Put it in the toilet. Wait, wait for it. Thank you. There it goes. Perfect. All right. So here's here's the deal. It's very true that if we push it through a pipe. It's going to be much safer yeah. than Driving rail, on the back of a truck, or, 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 or back of a truck, or whatever. Accidents happen no matter what you're doing, right? And I, and I think the thing is, environmentalists don't want this to happen no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's being transported by truck or by rail or by air or by sea. They just don't want it done at all because we they want us to get off of that. Mm. However, we're it, it's not going to happen anytime soon. So in the meantime. This need the the pipe is the only way of keeping it safe. Now here's the problem with pipe. Okay, how many miles of pipe was it? Fourteen hundred miles. I, I think they're saying. Yeah, it's huge. It's like it's like twice the size of the one that just burst. Okay, the problem with that is once a pipe's in the ground, what happens? You don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. You don't in- inspect it. <clears throat> and these ones are broker in the ground, right? And uh, you know, I don't know what material they're using, but after a while, pipes do need to be. Re- So their argument, the industry's argument, is these new pipes would be built from better materials, have more sensors, be more sophisticated. Well, that's fine, but, you know, it all comes back to the human element. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how sophisticated the pipe is or if there's sensors. If there's no one paying attention to them, it's not going to matter. It's still bad if it it happens in 50 years or 60 years. It it doesn't matter how high-tech you're using something. As soon as there's an accident, look how high-tech nuclear power is. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you not do the pipeline? You have to. You have to. You have to. The other argument that the environmental you just got to make the people who put it in accountable for it. The other thing that people are saying is, so not only do you have the risk of the pipeline and it rupturing, but there's also what they say is the energy required to uh, retrieve this oil out of the tar sands is going to produce so much greenhouse gases and 
Yeah, but yeah. you could say that about a lot of things. I mean, the thing is, Canada has loads of this stuff, okay? And this is one of the ways that Canada is trying to keep their economy going. Yeah. So th- that's their industry. Just like in the in, in Washington State, a lot of our industry is trees. Yeah. And chopping down trees, and we plant new trees, and there's a big endless cycle of that. It's yeah. it, it's just that's their economy. Speaking of industries, you know what else is a big industry? That that gun industry. Oh man, big industry. Huge. And the gun industry seems to uh, maybe be getting its way in with the gun debate here in America. It seems like gun control has stalled out a little bit, right? Mm, a little bit. Maybe not in Connecticut, though. Oh yeah. All right. So let's get to there. <laughs> so uh, first of all, <clears throat> let's start with the media blitz. Pride, uh, Pierce Pierce Morgan starts out with a pretty good reminder about dead kids, and I thought we should play this. <laughs> Good evening, this is Piers Morgan Live, and all across this country, Americans are remembering the 20 children and six teachers who died in the Newtown Massacre. Every Major League Baseball opening game would include a moment of silence for those victims. Moment like, like this one from the New York Yankees home opener against their rivals, the Boston Red Sox. Now, at this time, let us all stand in a moment of silent prayer as we remember the children and the teachers that lost their lives in this tragedy. In the stadium is just a little over an hour from Newtown. The teams and over 50,000 fans put their fierce rivalry aside to join in this remarkable tribute. But America is far from a solution to the deadly problem of gun violence. In Texas, Kaufman County District Attorney Mike McClelland and his wife Cynthia were shot to death over the weekend, the second killing of a prosecutor there since January. And in Colorado, the suspect in one of the worst gun incidents in American history was back in court today. James Holmes is charged with multiple counts of murder and attempted murder in the attack that killed 12 people and wounded 50 more. Now prosecutors say they will seek the death penalty. The death penalty for James. And this is interesting because uh, Pierce actually mentioned it. I've noticed uh, even from the NRA, from all of the other clips we're about to play, they don't really mention the uh, the theater shooting, James Holmes, but uh, because they're trying to, they're obviously trying to move the conversation more about schools and kids and now they're trying to focus on that. But I, I, I don't know, Chase, if you, have you seen James Holmes uh, recently? Have you looked at any of these pictures of him? No. Okay. He uh, he is so drugged out of his head, it's crazy. Look at, uh, I have a picture in here of his eyeballs. All right. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm just saying. Oh, my goodness. That does look really creepy drugged out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Anyway, so he's, uh, so they're, uh, they're going to do, um, they're going to do, I guess, drug administered testimony possibly with him, something like that. And oh. they're going for the death penalty. Well. Now, uh, the, uh, now, that was Pierce. He's also yeah. on CNN, but maybe Wolf could uh, bring us up on some of the recent gun tragedies as well. Wolf? Meanwhile, uh, another fundamental question being hotly debated these days here in Washington. How we live as Americans, a flurry of fatal shootings took place across the country Easter weekend. Near Miami, a four-year-old girl was shot dead while sitting in a parked car. In Ohio, a man was shot dead when he walked out of a church service. In Washington State, three people were shot dead after a fight erupted outside a bar. All of this comes amid a push to control gun violence. And of course, ABC is here to remind us, too, this is a pivotal moment. And up next, two events that say everything about our polarized views on guns in America. On one side today, four months after the elementary school shooting in Newtown, the state of Connecticut is preparing to pass the strictest gun control legislation in the nation. While on the other side, the powerful NRA today announced their plan to arm teachers and educators with guns in schools. I thought this is interesting because our local news covered the run on guns in Connecticut after this news came out. Did That's you hear right. This? Yes, I did. 
Channel 4. Gun stores across Connecticut are packed this afternoon as people rush to buy weapons and ammunition ahead of a crucial gun control vote tomorrow. The proposal would ban the sale of large capacity magazines, impose registration requirements for people who already own those magazines, and require universal background checks on all gun sales. Some say the new bill doesn't go far enough. President Obama is expected to travel to Connecticut later this week to push his national gun control agenda. Yeah, man, he's uh, hello everybody. He's all about it. He's going down there. He's raising money. He's got campaign funds. He's doing like old school stuff. You know what really grinds my gears? Ah! <laughs> what is it, Chase? What's the matter? This uh, this this whole gun debate is crap. Hmm. It's crap, I tell you. The wow. re- and the reason it why sounds judgy. <laughs> whatever. The reason why it's crap is because this doesn't. Go after the criminal, right. okay? Right. This doesn't go after the the psychos. It doesn't go after the ones that really are... I thought you were pro-background checks. But here's the thing. Why are you going to go and punish people? What I heard in that there, uh, people that already have the clips, they're going to go back and make them register? Why? I mean, why? Hmm. Okay, they already, they've already they bought it legally, okay? They're, they 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 probably already undergone a background check okay they've already done that they've already done everything that they're supposed to do legally mm-hmm. and now they're being punished in my opinion they're being punished because of some psycho okay it, it goes back to yeah it goes back to terrorists I uh, mean, where you know we we have to sacrifice our freedoms at the airport right, and get for gloves, gloves up my butt you know whatever yeah, it is funny because so there's Wolf and he's sitting there listing off uh, about four or five killings, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, that is bad. I mean, well, that's, but but, but, it's a, but he's it's, pushing it's a country of three hundred million. Right. I mean, here's the thing, right? And this is the other part of what really grinds my gears. Uh-oh. And I was and I was hearing this on, on the air the other day uh, on, on local radio the other day. And this, whoa, there, you got so mad you hit sorry. the mic. Okay, all right. This this happens everywhere, uh, not just here in Washington State. But there was a very very tragic story where this this repeat drunk driver, okay, repeat drunk driver, right. this is his fourth or fifth time. Yeah. He was during the middle of the day, 11, 12 o'clock, he plowed through an intersection, ra- uh, ran over four people. Oh, it was Jesus. a family. He was drunk? He was drunk. Four, or, so this, fa- this was a family. They were out and about, basically brand new family. So the husband and the wife just had a kid. She just was able to go out finally for the first time since having that kid. So they have the newborn, the mom, and the grandparents. And the dad is at work finally. He just went back to work. Hmm. And then what happened is, is this d- drunk, drunk driver runs them down. Oh. The grandparents are killed. The mom and the kid are in comas with brain damage. Right now? Right now. This is current. Right now. Oh, that's sad. And... And we're talking about gun right. control, right? When there are more drunk drivers killing people, right, than guns. Well, the other thing that the other thing that's frustrating about the gun debate is the fact that it, it the real problems with handguns. Yeah, that's where a lot of the majority of the you know person on person violence are coming from. I mean, it's complete BS to me. We're t- even talking about guns because of a tra- I understand the tragedy and I feel really bad for those people that are affected by yeah, that. Yeah. But more people are affected by drunk drivers and that kind of crap than this. So let's listen to the and oh, that's right. That uh, and that people is what grinds my gears, Tom. Well, uh, Chase, why don't we why don't we uh, look at what the NRA's uh, solution is to this and see what you think? You All ready? Right. All right. 
Good evening. I'm John Fiegelsang. This Good is evening. Viewpoint. Thank you so much for watching us tonight. Now, hey, if you were an NRA executive, like Wayne LaPierre, you might think you're having a pretty good start to the week. An NRA-funded task force released its own response to the Newtown shootings today. The so-called National School Shield Plan would create a model law to let teachers and school employees carry guns, establish a training program for armed school resources officers, place at least one resource officer in every American school, require schools to have safety and security plans, and ask the NRA to establish National School Shield as a permanent national organization. And who do you think gets to pay for all this? Oh, You know who. Me! So what do you think of this? Arming the teachers if they want. So basically the thing is, is if they have experience and they're willing to take about 60 hours of training... Uh, they can get certified, and then they can carry a gun in the school. And then also the school would have a resource officer who would also be armed. So supposedly if some sort of shooting was a going down, he would grab his piece and he would hustle his butt down to where the shooting was at. <laughs> this is, oh, you know, it does, this didn't help ease me, Chris. This really didn't. Because it's just this is just a, a marketing ploy. This is NRA trying to boost their members. This is and, trying to sell more guns. Yeah, and and for me, you know what? I'm I, I'm not. I don't own a gun. Okay, I'm not a, a card carrying member of the NRA, but I do believe in our in our freedoms and our constitution, and we have this right. Okay, um, and and what they're trying to do, just like the other side, both sides are trying to exploit what happened. To, to further yeah, their agenda. It agendas. seems like if you have more guns in the school, there's going to be more probability of accidents. Well, yeah, it's, you could quote unquote properly train people. But I was thinking, like, would I want my son Dylan or my daughter Abby to go to a school where their teacher was armed? I'm not so sure I would. Not so much because I'm worried about the teacher, but more I'm worried about some piece of crap kid grabbing the what gun. What about a whole bunch of kids overtake the teacher, like from behind? Or what if the teacher's just stupid and leaves the gun in the desk and the kid gets it or something yeah, like that? I mean,. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, you hope it would never happen, but if you have a school filled with 40 or 50 different teachers, something's going to happen don't, I don't think that's the answer. I, I really don't see that well, being the answer. Well, what's it say about us as a civilization that our youngest can't even be safe in classrooms? If we can't get that figured out, that's another really reason. That's another reason why I just don't feel like having kids. This, to me, seems like one of these problems that people in other countries look at us and go, God, America's sick. But you can't paint it as America. I, I think part of the problem is you you have it's it's these factions, it's these agendas, it's the money. You just follow the money here, people. You got one side of the equation, the NRA trying to build their membership, uh, try to uh, you know have more guns sold, fine. And then you have the other side where the government's trying to put more control upon us mm -hmm. and put more control upon the law-abiding law abiding citizen. I, I'm okay with, with background checks, mm -hmm. checks if you're picking up a new gun. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fine with that because you're going through a legal process. But it, this, What about the, a quote-unquote assault weapon? But what defines that as an assault weapon? I mean, we hear yeah. assault weapon. We hear army-style weapons. Rifle or, or, yeah. I mean, what, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, I, I guess it's uh, that's. I mean, let's talk about it. But even if even if it's a a, a quote unquote assault style weapon with a seventeen bullet clip, why would that make a difference to me if it's seventeen bullets or twelve bullets? Why does that matter? You're right. And besides, uh, what we all, what we all got to get are some shotguns. 
A controversial plan in Tucson, Arizona to give away free shotguns. The man behind the plan says he wants to give the guns away in high crime neighborhoods, saying that will bring down the crime rate. It's a super sensitive topic in Tucson, where a mass shooting in 2011 left six people dead and 13 others injured, including then Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. In a moment, uh, Giffords' husband, Mark Kelly, he'll join us uh, with his thoughts. But first... Here's Miguel Marquez with more on the plan to give away guns. Oh. At the Tucson Trap and Ski Club, shotguns are as common as sunshine. Here in Tucson neighborhoods, though, the idea for some of giving away shotguns to homeowners who couldn't otherwise afford them. My gut reaction is to be against uh, something like that. I think uh, I don't believe uh, a proliferation of guns will make us any safer. And this is one of the neighborhoods where you want to offer one of the neighborhoods. Sean McCluskey is leading an effort making shotguns available to willing and needy residents in three neighborhoods here. Neighborhoods he's identified as high crime areas. Do you really believe that putting more guns in neighborhoods in the hands of homeowners is going to bring down crime? If you notify the criminals, absolutely. And by flying the entire neighborhood and making the entire neighborhood aware that this program is coming to your neighborhood, the criminal element are bound to see the flyer and go, uh-oh, now what? Which house? has a gun, which house doesn't have a gun. Because you won't tell folks. No, not at all. The it's going to be anonymous. A sort of Russian roulette with shotguns would be thieves unsure which house is armed and which isn't. What do you think of this theory where uh, if everyone's armed and like, you know, if carry permits are more common, maybe more people in the theater with James Holmes had guns, uh, that crime would actually go down because people would be intimidated. Because one of the things people, the reason why people go on the shooting rampages is they feel a sense of empowerment. Like they have. So, so what criminals will do is they'll just get their own guns. Right. They already do, right? Yeah. So, so what? But I think the theory goes that you'd be less, in, if you're a criminal, you'd be less in light, you'd be less likely to try to do something because you wouldn't have that sense of empowerment. You don't buy it. No. Yeah, I don't know if I do either. I mean, I kind of think of the Wild West, and maybe things kind of equalized out, but a lot of people died back then, Chase. (laughs) Well, yeah, but a lot of people died because of ammonia and polio and disease. I think, though, the problem is Joe disagrees with you. If you want to protect yourself, get a double-barrel shotgun, have the shells of 12-gauge shotgun, and I promise you, as I told my wife, we live in an area that's wooded and somewhat secluded. I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here or walk out, put that double-barrel shotgun and fire two blasts outside the house. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to... You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim. It's harder to use. Like you know and from in experience. fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. Sponsored by Winchester. <laughs> Buy a shotgun. I don't know if we played that in the actual show or if we played that in the. Uh, I don't remember, show, but, but yeah, no. I, I here's the thing: you need to, people need to do what they feel like they need to do to protect themselves, yeah. their property, and their yeah. family. Yeah. And if you feel like a gun's appropriate, then that's fine. You just think people need to have the right, and a background check might be appropriate. That's fine. That's right. But why? Why punish Americans that are doing it the right what way? What about background checks if family members are selling it to family, other family members? No. Okay, because it sounds like that's not that sounds like they're not gonna they're not gonna exclude those. Uh, well, not only I mean, what if it's a private sale? Now, now they now here's the thing, it's all about money. Yeah. So here's here's the thing: if if I owned a gun, Chris, mm-hmm. and you owned a gun, and mm-hmm. we were card carrying member, concealed carry, whatever, and I wanted to sell it to you or something. 
you you could just sell it to me, yeah. and I could just sell it to you. Right. But now you have to run a background check. So what does that mean, Chris? You're probably going to have to go to a website, right. pay $20, right. $30, put my info in there, put $50. Your info in there. Yeah. You know, what, what does that do? You think they'll take Bitcoin? <laughs> but what does that honestly do? All that does is, A, it adds a paper trail. It's a revenue source. It's a revenue source. Okay. What Although, does who knows what the overhead to manage it will be? Now, can you tell me with <clears throat> yeah. a straight face <laughs> what what does that do to keep your kids safe? What does that do to keep America Should safe? Should we ask the chat room? Yeah. All right, chat room. All right, chat room. Let's do this. Let's ask the chat room. What does a background check do? That little piece of paper you have to fill out before you make that sale. How does that protect America? How does that protect our kids? I'm saying, you know, if, if they want us to do a background check on every transaction, a private transaction. Between you and me. Between me and You're, you. I'm going to sell you a gun for two bitcoins. Right. We could, right? We could. And Absolutely. Right now, the way the law is structured, we could do that totally off the grid. Right. Literally off the grid. L- literally, yeah. But now, the way they're suggesting it, like the way it would go down in Connecticut, if I'm understanding correctly, yeah. is I would have to file something, you would have to file something. And don't forget, if you have any clips uh, with over 15 bullets, you're going to have to file paperwork for those too. Or if uh, if Grandpa has an old gun from Vietnam or from World War II, I probably shouldn't have Vietnam, sorry about that, you're not old, uh, and he wants to give it to you for Christmas, he's, yep. do you have to go through a background yep. check? Yep, you would have to go through a background check. Hmm. All right, Chase, do we have anybody in there? You want me to spin the wheel? Go ahead. All right, here we go, Chase. What did we get? And we, we had a lot of nothings, but Chav2 said it reduces the immediate opportunity and reduces the number of people will, with guns. Okay. But you know what, though? It doesn't because the same amount of people that have guns today will be the same amount of people that have guns tomorrow, but, but with more regulation. Hmm. hmm. It does sort of take you out of that heat of the moment, but yeah, if you wanted to steal a gun, so you're not you're not accepting that answer because if you're still, uh, there's no right answer. You're here. not going to accept that answer. No. Ah, uh, <laughs> you All got right. it. Do you want to do another one, or should we move on? Let's move on. All right. So uh, I wanted to do another. Uh, I, just, drum- I just, I'm sorry. It just pisses no, me off. It's, it's so it, right, man. I understand. It pisses me off because it, it's not. It, it doesn't it's not do being, anything. Right, and the conversation is being is being uh, driven by think of the children. Think of the children. Think, think right. of think of what happened at Sandy Hook. And I think it's I think it's telling that even the NRA's response in this big study they did all focuses on schools. It doesn't talk about the theater shooting. It doesn't talk about the mall shootings. It doesn't talk about that stuff. No, it doesn't t- you know? So it's interesting. I, I, I but think it goes back to my grinding my gears argument. What about drunk drivers? What about things uh, that can really make a difference? Instead of making it like here in Washington State as a great example, five. It takes five DUI arrests before it's a felony. I thought it was three. Five. Wow. If you don't, if you don't kill anybody, dude, I should start partying. If you just drive drunk and don't kill anybody, you can do that five times. Okay. okay. Well, I mean, come on, people. Yeah. What are priorities here? Seriously. You know, uh, this is stupid. Got to think of the drones, Chase. New questions about the future of a plan using unmanned drones to protect our border. Now, the program faces a shortage of cash, we're told. It faces a shortage of qualified staff and legal limitations on where the drones can fly. The use of these unmanned aircraft proved successful overseas in Afghanistan, but the use along the border is off to a rough start. Right, this is pretty. This is a weird. This is a weird interview that they did on the Fox Morning News show, and I was. Uh, it's got a couple of different interesting tidbits in it. So essentially, uh, drones are under a little bit of privacy fire right now. There's a, a protest that just a month long protest that just kicked off in California. Uh, there is a group called Epic that has uh, just launched a petition asking the U.S. Bureau of Customs and Border Protection to limit the use of unmanned aircraft. 
And there's been some hubbub around the whole sequestration and funding of this program. Right. But McCain is uh, pushing for uh, uh, funding of drones to increase border protection for immigration reform because any package that has immigration reform, as far as Republicans are concerned, needs to improve border security as well. Right. And their fundamental belief there is, you know, if, we're, if we have created a welfare state, and if you have a welfare state, you need to have walls in order to gate that. And they want to use drones. But it's kind of weird because they're not really, like, executing any exact political st- strategy here. They're just out there trying to control the message because this month of protest has started up and all this. Yeah. And so this interview covers a couple of interesting points about um, the state of drone usage in the U.S. Stuart Verdery is a former de- uh, Department of Homeland Security Assistant Secretary for Border and Transportation Security Policy and Planning. You've got a long title, my friend. You must be very, <laughs> very important. Good morning to you. Um, nice can you get border here. security without effective drones? Well, I think drones are a key part of the strategy. They really do provide a situational awareness that uh, at a good cost point and especially in areas that are rural or, you know, tough to tough to monitor with the Border Patrol. But I would be cautioned that the success overseas when they're using lethal drones is not the same thing as, as using them domestically. And it is not a silver bullet. I mean, we need enforcement. OK, let's try. I, th- I think this. Could, okay. I think it's a silver bullet twice, maybe three times. Well, maybe that's his only, uh, you know talking point especially in the interior of the united states at the workplace and in our cities and you can't just focus on the southern border i got you but according to this report now the tryout let's call it of drones were not successful does that surprise you at all well i think that success is in the eye of the beholder i think they have proven (laughs) successful in many circumstances it was tough negotiating with the faa over how to these things will be deployed the privacy concerns or things need to be worked out but we did see a record number of hours with the drones in the air last year the question, of course, is you're not going to be using them to go after people physically. What what do they provide to the Border Patrol agents on the ground to go figure out where's a real threat? What's the best use of those man- manpower on the ground? So I, see. I so, think they are proving useful, but it's not a silver bullet. Yeah, I you know. That's good. But we, can we kind of that was long winded. Can we kind of prioritize that <laughs> yeah, and meme please. it real quick? Yeah. You know, you need the air. You need the ground assets. You need both of that's them. Right. Uh, this is for our there viewers now. Uh, U.S. Customs <laughs> Border Patrol. He's going to just uh, listen to these. He's just going to throw down some stats. I don't know where he got these from because they don't cite. But but right. uh, I have yeah. no reason to doubt, I suppose. They probably got them from the Pentagon directly. Protection operates 10 Predator drones over the U.S. Who knew? Uh, the 10 unmanned plane systems cost about $18 million a pop. Border drones can fly as long as 20 hours and as high as 50,000 feet. That's more than nine miles right. high. And by the year 2020, six, seven years down the road, the FAA projects there could be 30,000 drones in U.S. skies, but clearly not all on the border. 30,000 drones in U.S. skies and clearly... Not all of them will be on the border. Right. That makes me feel good. Um, and, you know, some of those drones might be watching out for pot smokers, Chase. And, huh. uh, you know, we've got the legalized pot here in the Washington That's state. Right, and yep. in the Colorado, too. That's they right. Got it. Yeah. They, got, they got the pot. Uh, but one of the things that happened shortly after the uh, marijuana legalization, uh, what was it, I.O. something, 509 or something? Uh, 502, I thought. Okay. Did you hear about these pot bars? Did we talk about these on the show, the pot no. bars that opened up? Yeah, so some pot bars opened up where... Like one guy, so one that's not really covered in this story is this guy has a has a bar. It has two stories. In the top section, he converted from a from a from a public place to a private place, 
and then charges people to come in there and they can light up. They don't sell weed. They don't hold any weed there. It's just a, a social gathering place, right. a club. So another place has opened up, and now we got to take some actions. Governor's got to step in. Area business owners and entrepreneurs are hoping to capitalize on the passage of Washington's new marijuana law. Now a bar owner in Tacoma is letting customers get high. Uh -huh. Tom Yaswinski is here now with more on this. And, Tom, people can't smoke pot in public, so how is this legal? Well, listen to this. Stonegate Restaurant and Bar now has a private club. Customers can pay a dollar for a one-day membership or 20 bucks for an entire year and get high. There's no buying or selling of pot on the property and there's no smoking pot either. Regulations on cannabis use in Washington are still hazy. Now a Tacoma bar owner is testing hazy. the water. It's hazy. This is a private area. Everybody's adults here. Nobody's getting wasted. Recently, Jeff Call added a private cannabis club to his restaurant and bar at Stonegate. But he and his business partner, Michael Shave, had a problem. The way we see it, it's 100% legal. The only issue we had was the smoking. And uh, we don't smoke. Uh, Stonegate <laughs> now has a vape semantics. bar. So that's a vape bar, Chase. So uh, they're playing on the semantics where I just like this like this is gonna fly at all. But so you don't combust the cannabis, you vaporize the cannabis where it comes off as a steam from the plant. So there's no actual smoke. Oh, so and, you're not smoking. And this does, you know, like it's like have you seen e cigarettes? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's the like, vapor, water vapor. Yeah, there's like no smoke there's no real smell. Like, you know, you, you the person sitting next to you is not gonna get stoned because you're right. you, you know, there's no like, secondhand smoke issue. Right. Where we you know, we often joke about how Barry used to, you know, do roof yeah, hits yeah, because yeah. they would smoke from doobies and you know, the doobies would create this big cloud in the car and, and then, he would go up to the roof of the car. Right. That's, right. that's not the case with vaporizers. So their case, their their pitch here is so it's not really a big deal, guys, right? Pot is vaporized, not burned. Employees called bud tenders, not bartenders, <laughs> assist customers with consumption, and no pot is sold on the property. I know the, the health department, they have an indoor smoking ban, and I don't want to fight anybody. I really don't. I'm trying to be responsible and do it the right way. In Olympia, a bar called Frankie's has a similar business plan. Only patrons can smoke pot as long as they purchase a membership. So the idea of a marijuana bar isn't the first of its kind, and it likely won't be the last. People are going to do it anyway. They've been doing it anyway for years. Um, and it's time to have it in a safe place. The State Liquor Board is currently considering rules and regulations for pot after the passage of I-502. The future of this vape bar could be up in smoke. Until then, Governor Inslee has an open invitation to come by Stonegate. I'd like to have Inslee come in here and scope it out because I need to have a whole different aspect on it. Uh, the state health department has actually requested a meeting with the owner of Stonegate Bar in the near future to talk about this business model of vaping. We'll keep in touch with him and let you know how things go. What, what do you think about this, Chris? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, Chase. It, first of all, I think it's a little silly. Uh, I think I think a vape bar is probably safer than an actual liquor bar, so yeah. there's that. Uh, but that aside, I, I think um, people are are just getting a little ahead of themselves. Yeah. They're getting a little excited. And there has been this, there has been for a lot of people, 
for 20 or 30 years now. Bent up. It, it's going to be around, the legalization is around the corner. Like, you can find magazines from the 70s. They're like, legalization's around the corner, right? Yep. So this has been building for so long, and it's finally happening for some of these people. Yep. And they're just really super excited. Now, uh, I'm going to be, I'm curious, I'm kind of holding judgment until we see what the tax revenues are. And then once we see what the tax revenues are, it could be a completely different well, not, conversation. Well, not, not just the revenues, but see what the rules uh, of not only uh, the state of Washington, but Colorado, what rules they set up. And also, remember, we put it in the red book, what the federal government is going to do. Right. That's so there's a, there's a yeah. lot of unknowns here. And people, I know business owners feel like they have to rush to capitalize on something like this. It's a tough call because you want to get in while the opportunity is there. Yeah, but right now the it's a, such a gray area that I wouldn't do it until there's a defined area. The flip side of that is there won't become a defined area until business pushes it through. And and the, and the positive side there is there's some legitimate, like, yeah. well-financed people who are coming in and executing pretty well. That's true. And, you know, so they – and what they're doing by doing that is showing the state that there is a not just, like – not just like dudes who can grow pot in, in their house somewhere like and then sell it on the street, but there's actually like legitimate businessmen that want to come in there and you know earn them some tax revenue. So we'll see. I, I'm curious about that. There's one more marijuana story I want to cover before we get out of here. Uh, just our, uh, our buddies to the south of us in Oregon are having a pot problem too. Portland couple is raising a stink about their neighbors over weed. Gloria Peterson says pot plants growing in her neighbor's house might be good medicine for them, but she says... All that smoke and plant pollen is making her sick. Uh She wants the city to step in and do something, but Portland Police, City Hall, the Department of Environmental Quality say they're in a legal bind. And my sinuses burn, my throat burns, my eyes burn from it. If you are approved by the Oregon Medical Marijuana Program, you can grow it, smoke it, and even let the pollen travel next door to your neighbors without any penalty. The county health department does investigate the source of bad smells, but not marijuana. Peterson says there should be zoning restrictions limiting how close a marijuana grow can be to a neighbor. Now, uh, people people online are calling this crap, and I think that, see, so here's what's a little interesting. She says that the pollen is bothering her sinuses, right? And it's burning her sinuses. The How pollen. does she know it's the marijuana? Well, so if you if you smoke marijuana, you need you you want buds, and these buds are on the female plant. Now I could be wrong, but my understanding is the female plant actually doesn't have any pollen. So if he's growing marijuana, he's not in it to smoke. I mean, he might just be growing it because it's a green plant, and so he wants the male version for some reason. But if he's growing marijuana to smoke it, it's it should be, as far as I understand, pollen free. And so this whole thing sounds like crap to me. It's probably something else that's bothering her, and she's. Blame it on that. And I'll, 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 my first question was, is this a doctor's uh, prognosis here, know, or right? is this hers? Yeah, exactly. And then secondly, there's no way in hell that they could be able to restrict it and zone it, because what if two neighbors side by side, you know, both are prescribed the, the same thing, then one <laughs> would be in violation of that, right? So this is not going to fly. This no, is a non-story. It, it, I just wanted to play it because yeah. and there's there's so many that our local media and those <sighs> medias just jump on I it. I don't right now. like the vapor. Uh, we got we got a voicemail to play before we get out of here. Voicemail. Remember last week I asked if anybody had any UFO experiences to share. Oh, that's right. So uh, we had uh, we had uh, somebody write in. Where did I put it? Were they from Roswell, New Mexico? Uh, no, they were. Uh, <laughs> did he say? I don't know if he said where he uh, where he was from. I'm sure he actually he might say in the voicemail, but. Uh, I don't see the voicemail now that I said that, so I'll have to find it. But he was he was calling in to let us know about uh, his his uh, uh, UFO experience. And Chase, he was a little nervous when he called because he was concerned we might think he was a crazy person. Uh-oh. But we asked. Does he believe in the lizard people? 
Uh, well, that was on the pre-show, so people don't know. See, people don't know if unless they're an unfiltered supporter or tuning in the live show. There's a bunch of stuff they don't get to catch. We played. Ah, uh, uh, that's right. The biggest it blurs. The biggest conspiracies that Americans believe in was in the uh, unfiltered supporter show. So if you <laughs> if you support the show, that's one you of the things you're going to get. You would have gotten that inside joke. And you know what Dreams Void asked about when he became a when he became a supporter today? He said, "Do I get the back catalog?" And you do. Yeah. So you can go back through our previous episodes, and uh, if you like, if there's an episode of ours in particular you really liked, there's likely clips that go with that episode in the pre and post show. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's play Jason's uh, call about UFOs. So is this where I say something? Yeah, that was pretty corny. Um, hey guys, this is Jason Harvey. Uh, just want to uh, talk to you guys about um, your latest show, and at the end, you guys are talking about. Uh, the FBI releasing um, uh, classified documents about UFOs, three flying saucers, and alien men, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't, like, I don't, like, I don't want to sound like some crazy conspiracy theorist and, oh, my God, the aliens are coming to get us. But I just, I mean, the universe is infinitely large. I mean, it, it's just mind-blowing how large it is. And to think that we're the only ones in the universe, the only intelligent life, I mean, I'm, it's just kind of hard for me to swallow. Um, I'm, I mean, that's just kind of a kind of a shocker. I mean, it makes me wonder if they're releasing these documents to cover up for something else. I mean, I just, it just sounds very bizarre for me to hear the United States releasing something like this because, I mean, in a lot of professional circles, if you talk about UFOs, aliens, you're pretty much laughed out of whatever professional circle it is that you're in. So, and I think that's why, you know, people don't really talk about it that much. Anyway, uh, probably just repeated myself. Um, <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, great show. I love hearing. Um, I love hearing this stuff, and I'm glad to be a supporter. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. It's always fun to think about the size of the universe and think maybe out there. I think the bigger question would really be: Could they make it here ever? Not as I wouldn't even so much question: Could there be intelligent life out there? It would just be: Is there any practical way? in reality, they could ever visit here. Well, we never know, because what if uh, their civilization, if there is there, a there, what if their technology becomes more advanced than ours, and then they can get here much quicker? Blowing my mind, Chase. You're blowing my mind. No, it's that reefer. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, anything else we want to cover before we get out of here? Ah, uh, I don't know. I will say this. You can always leave us a voicemail by calling 425-312-1756. We... We get those Skype emails all the time, and also you can Skype us at Unfilter Show if you don't want to call. Like, if you're international, say you're in the UK um, or Cyprus, hmm. use the Skype and yeah. let us know what's going on in your neck totally, of the woods. Totally. And it sounds good, too. Yeah, we'd love to get some more voicemails on the show, so you guys can always do that. And yeah. don't forget, uh, we also have the subreddit. We we Now, what was my goal? Remember what was my goal? I was like a couple. It was only a few. I think I wanted 350. Yeah, and we were we're close. We're three forty eight. I don't so. know what it is. I don't know why it's not taking off at all. I don't know. Well, it, it's it, Reddit's. You know, Reddit's an interesting atmosphere because yeah. of the fact that you got uh, many different uh, factions, if you will. And yeah. this is such a heavy topic. It's tough. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and we kind of. Yeah, 
I think that's what it is. It's just heavy. Well, you can always interact with us over there. It's yeah. It's uh, you have a you have our attention if you hang out there. What about you, Chase? You're going to be really busy coming up. Where, you, oh. where can people find out what you're up to? All right. So if you want to know quick, 140 character or less <laughs> updates, uh, you can follow me on the Twitter at Nunes N U N E S. And also uh, head over to my Geeky Gaming. Whoa, why is that Whoa, so big? big. GeekGamer.tv. That's really big. It's big shows. Uh, yes, and uh, we've got a lot of great stuff. Uh, tech, gaming, pinball. And Chris, during the week, I know you do the Twitter thing. Sure Where do, can man. people follow you? You can head over to Twitter.com slash ChrisLAS and uh, enrich your life 140 characters at a time. That's right. Don't we've forget links the links. to uh, both our social profiles in the oh, show notes. Yes, we're, we're all over the interwebs. Tons of good stuff in the show notes. More stuff than we ever can cram into a single episode lots of additional references and everything in the show notes so if you hear us talk about something that you know we just maybe just touched on you want to find out more there could very well be a link in the show you notes. are such an elitist you know that i know i know don't forget we have our extensions at the bottom of our website that you can install that will automatically tag your shopping sessions that help support the network and you can also click on the links down there that's another great way to support the show yes 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 all right mr chase we'll be sure to tune right back in here next wednesday everybody see you then yep